Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. Well, good morning to everybody. Well, we've got a lot happening, haven't we? Everywhere. Today we're going to look at Joshua 8, but we're going to bounce out of Joshua 8 into some other places, as you will see. I'm going to tell a couple of stories this morning. One is about a guy named Robert, so hang on to that name. Another is a person named Steve. They're not part of this congregation, so all is good if you happen to bear those names. Um, and I'll unpack those stories and, under, and indicate why they're important. Let's just read the beginning of Joshua, uh, the, sorry, the end of Joshua 8. It's a rather long passage here. Uh, it's, uh, so let's go for it here. And I want you to pick up on a couple of words through this and how many times it's mentioned. Okay? The book of the law or the book of Moses is mentioned quite a few times just in five verses. So here we go. We're reading from Joshua 8, 30 to 35. At that time, Joshua built an altar on Mount Ebal to the Lord, the God of Israel, just as Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool has been used. Then they offered burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed fellowship offerings on it. There on the stones, Joshua copied the law of Moses. I'd imagine that's the Ten Commandments. Otherwise, it's a lot of stones. <laughs> uh, which he had written in the presence of the Israelites. All Israel, resident, alien, and citizens alike, with their elders, officers, judges, stood on either side of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, facing the Levitical priests who carried it. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim and half in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded earlier concerning blessing the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read aloud all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses. That's the law. According to all that is written in the book of the law. And there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read before the entire assembly of Israel, including the women, the dependents, and the resident aliens who lived among them. So you get the picture here. Nobody missed out on hearing the word of God in this situation. Last week, we had a message and it included the, the victory over a town called Ai or A, depends how you want to pronounce it. And so there's been all these battles going on and finally they take some rest and they reflect. They reflect on the covenant of God and everyone is to be involved in this reflection on what God has done and how important it is to establish among everyone why they are seeing these victories. And it was because they needed to be obedient to the book of law as Moses had commanded them. And so they're refreshing themselves, they're looking at the covenant afresh, they're looking at God's way of living, and of course, it's all based on the law. Did you notice how many times it was mentioned? Right, so let's springboard out of that and look into the New Testament, because it says there that they had to reflect 
and take time on the covenant of God. Now, God gives us a new covenant, and this is the wonder of the book of Joshua. It's a type or it's an image in a dull reflection of what comes through in the New Testament. And so we're going to bounce out of that, and we're going to look right now in Acts 13. We'll back up here. Acts 13, 39. Now, this is Paul the Apostle, and he's giving a message. He and Barnabas are sent out, and it's their first missionary journey. And Paul is speaking to a bunch of Jews, and he says this to them. He says, and by him... That's Jesus. Everyone who believes is freed from everything or justified from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. We just heard in five verses the law of Moses. And so Paul is picking up on this and saying, I've got some really good news for you folks. I know there's some bad news. The law is really hard to keep up. But I've got good news that you can be set free. From everything the law could not change you with and so he preaches the gospel in Acts 13 to these people who are very aware that it's hard to keep up righteousness or, or pleasing God under the law now the law was given to lead us to Jesus that's the wonder of the law and so taking this message that Paul gives here that you can be free Let's just take that a little further, and I want to look at three words today. We're going to look at justification, sanctification, and glorification. Now, there's a lot, a lot of long words there, but every one of us, if we're in Christ, these are really, really important basic doctrines for us. And Jesus fulfills everything in the law of Moses. He became the embodiment of of what God wanted and so we can follow in the same pattern as Jesus so let's just reflect on the new covenant with these three words in mind justification sanctification and glorification and we're going to unpack the first one here uh, first of all we'll back up justification deals with your past it puts the past right sanctification deals with your present it's empowered right now to be sanctified, to live a holy life. And glorification, that's out in the future, that deals with your future and it is secured, guaranteed. Justification, sanctification, glorification, past, present and future. These are important doctrines that you find in the New Testament that, that everything you need to know swings around these three words and you find them popping up through the writings of Paul here and there. So let's just dive into... This one right here, justification, your past put right. The focus in justification is Jesus Christ. We're going to look at Jesus, Holy Spirit, and God the Father. But for now, Jesus and justification are totally inseparable. There's no other way to be put right with God except claiming who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross. Now, in justification, it's, it's like this justified never sinned you've probably heard that before as a baptist that's not entirely new is it but it's a really really profoundly important thing to remember justified never sinned justified put right before the law of god it involves forgiveness and a, a release of that heavy weight of burden of sin that comes from from continual lifestyle under sin and the wonder of justification is you are declared innocent 
declared innocent. I used to be the director of Youth with a Mission in, Bris in Queensland, sorry, and we've got lots of YWAM centres around here. Lee and I did that for 11 years. And Youth with a Mission had hundreds and hundreds of young people in their teens, 20s and 30s. In fact, we were only in our 30s anyway, so we qualified. And I began to understand very intimately and deeply the sins of young people as they would come to our training schools. You might have heard of YWAM Discipleship Training School, a DTS. And every year we'd probably have about 90 of these folks come through and they're six months long. And when you run these courses, you, you begin to find out the reality of what people's lives are really like. You know, it gets exposed. One young man was with us and his name was Robert. And Robert was a good young kid. He was a Canadian. He'd come all the way over from the west coast of Canada to do this course in Australia. I forget his age, somewhere in his 20s. And um, one day he came to me and he was quite frustrated. And he said, he said something to this effect. He said, I just can't do it. Now that's a red flag, right? This is a discipleship training school, a how to follow Jesus school and be involved in missions and so when I heard him say that and I saw the anguish on his face I said Robert let's just have a little chat let's back up in your life and tell me is there any point in your life that you knew that you knew that you knew that you knew you belonged to God is there any moment any time any season in your life and he reflected on it and he said nope can't think of anything nothing there I said, I wonder, Robert, whether you are trying to please God according to the law. In other words, you're getting a hold of the rules, you're trying to clean your life up and follow God through Jesus, but actually you've not yet actually claimed Christ as saviour. Now this is a, a profoundly new idea for Robert, who thought he was a follower of Christ, doing all the right things, going through all the right procedures, but yet no fruit was in his life. And so I said, Robert, let's just back up and I'm going to ask you to pray. First of all, you consider this, and we waited a few moments. So I led in him a prayer of salvation. It was as simple as that. There were no bells and whistles. There was no lightning falling from heaven or glows in the corner of the room, nothing at all. And uh, I prayed with him, and that was the end of the matter, and he went back to his room next day class we have 25 people and uh, we always have a time of hearing from people before we start Robert throws his hand up and he said can I say something please and so he pipes up and he said yesterday I prayed with Roger and he just illustrated a little bit and he said I went back to my room and I, I just lay on my bed and he said it happened I felt this warm fuzzy feeling just flood through me and he said, I knew that I knew that I knew I belonged to Jesus. Is that not cool? That is called being justified, being put right before God on the basis of what Jesus has done. I have led many, many people to Christ in uh, discipleship training schools who actually were not true followers of Jesus. They just had the outside garments, but the inside was just not there. If you've fallen into Christianity and there's not a point in your life where you know that you know that you know that you know that you know Christ has uh, saved you, you probably aren't saved. And you may need to back up a little bit and examine yourself 
uh, where you actually stand before Christ. So that's justification being put right. And we become a child of God, not a slave under the law. And that's the wonder of salvation. Romans 5 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified or put right before God, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the, the sure evidences of salvation is this, this warm, fuzzy feeling, as Robert said to me. I thought that was the coolest way to describe what it means to have peace with God. No longer a battle to try and please him. It's all good. I'm declared innocent by God himself. Romans 5.9 says this. Whoops, let's back up. Romans 5.9 says, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, that means put right by his blood, much more shall we, sa we be saved by him from the wrath of God or from the wrath of the law. We shall be saved from that. The results of justification are peace with God, assurance of forgiveness, freedom from condemnation. If you've been walking under condemnation year after year, calling yourself a Christian, trying to please God, but just never feeling good enough every day, friends, you might need to back up a little bit and revisit the foundations of your faith. Freedom from condemnation, not that terrible feeling of not feeling good enough. Freedom from the dominion of sin and adoption into God's family. Now, later on in this message, I'm going to have a a chance for you to respond to this message. I'm going to call people to the front when I finish. So you just uh, put your finger on things that, where the Holy Spirit is pressing your buttons on anything this morning and we'll have a chance to respond on that. Let's go to the next one here, which is sanctification. Big word here. We don't use it in ordinary language. We don't sort of rock up to someone and say, how are you? How's your sanctification going? To, to contextualize that, to put it that into, say, say you know, Australian, Australian speak, you might come up and say, G'day, mate. Have you got your act together yet? <laughs> you know, you might say, how's your walk with Jesus? That's pretty cool, I think, to say that. But it's not a word we kind of use, but it, it's packed with meaning, the word sanctification. It's your present empowered right now something happens when you get up on a monday morning feeling feeling just like it's a monday morning something's different though you know the fellowship or company of god's holy spirit even if you feel lousy and your breath is bad god is with you this is the miracle of the new covenant right presently empowered There's a scripture here, and it's in Romans 5. What a great chapter, Romans 5. It's got justification, sanctification, and glorification all in the one chapter. The three major doctrines are right there in that one chapter. So it says this in Romans 5, 5. This hope does not disappoint. What's the hope? Okay. It's the hope that Christ gives us eternally. This hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And so when God's Spirit touches our soul and our spirit, what we have is the experience of being able to love where we've never been able to love before. Let's go to Steve. Let's unpack his story. A New Zealander, again in one of our training schools. Steve came to me one day equally as frustrated as Robert. 
And he, he was saying, I just can't love. And he was illustrating in the situations where love was not functioning very well. He said, I'm just a hard man. And he knew that he belonged to Christ. He was quite sure of his encounter with forgiveness and justification. But in the daily walk, he was just going, I just don't know what it is. So back up a little bit here, Steve. Let's have a look at your life. Have you experienced, do you know that God actually loves you? Have you encountered God's Holy Spirit in a way where you know, like it says in the scripture, God's love has been poured out into our hearts? Because it's only because when you encounter that renewing through encountering God's love, can you truly, truly love other people, embrace them for what they are? And he said, well, I don't think I have. Okay. So we go through the same thing. And we pray with Steve and I get him to actually just uh, uh, give up his dependence on his self-effort to try and produce the love of God. I said, just give up, mate. Finally surrender to God in your life. And so he did. He went through a lot of pain to do this because he was very proud of, of his righteousness. He was a very proud man of the fact that he looked good. I said, you've got to repent of this, mate. <laughs> right? And so he nailed it right on it, you know, on that. You know what? The man was absolutely transformed. I said, thank you, Jesus. He was delivered from what you call self-righteousness, trying to produce love himself. And God just turned that man around and he encountered what it means to love in a, in a Christ-centered and Christ-empowered way, how good that is. The sanctification is to do with God's holiness. It's not to do with measuring up with rules and regulations. You know, how do, here's a question. How do you know when someone is sanctified? Does it mean they dress in a certain way and then, well, they're, they're, they're pretty, they're, he's more sanctified than this guy or that girl's more sanctified because she's got a longer dress, you know. <laughs> you know, there's whole movements of Christianity that were actually based on that. You know, if, you, if your dress is above the knee line, you're not really sanctified. You know, if it's below, you're more sanctified. No, it's true. You know, these, these kind of strange things creep in, friends. Now, I do suggest that you have a, a longer dress rather than a shorter one. But be that as it may, that's got nothing to do with producing internally the sanctification, the holiness of God, right? So it's all about who God is, sanctification. It's about his holiness. That's what we measure ourselves against, not against the, you know, the way we outwardly appear. Now, when you become more holy, certainly I would suggest there are outward visible manifestations of that. One would be your mouth is cleaned up. I encounter Christians that swear like a trooper and I go, seriously? Do you think Jesus would say the same thing? Do you think that's what the Holy Spirit would produce that language in you? Would he do that, the Holy Spirit? You see? And so, friends, you've got to measure yourself against God's holiness. And if your mouth is prone to, to foul language, friends, back up on this one. It doesn't measure up with God's Holy Spirit. He's not going to produce that within you. And so you've got to repent of it and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to sanctify my mouth or sanctify my relationships with other people, how I interact. Sanctification has got a heck of a lot to do with relationships. And how we, we interact. Your relationship to money needs to be sanctified. I remember praying with a guy 
who had definitely come to Jesus. Uh, I said, all right, he had some issues. I said, let's pray and wait on the Lord. It took two hours and he just was confessing one after the other. I thought, is he saved? He was definitely saved. But he, and he said, well, actually, um, yeah, my tax returns. I, I just keep a lot for myself. I said, well, you've got to deal with that, brother, all right? And it went on and on and on. Sanctification's got to touch your relationship to things, you see. Money, the whole deal. All right. Uh, there's a, an interesting little verse here, and it's 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to 5. For this is the will of God. If you want to know what the will of God is today, and you are struggling to know what the will of God is, and you know what, Lord, I don't know what the will of God is for my life today, or this week, or next week, or the years to come. I can tell you what the will of God is right now, friends, for you today. Here it is. This is the will of God, your sanctification. In other words, your growth in holiness, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honour and not with lustful passions like the Gentiles or the non-Jews who don't know God. And so, you know, when I hear people uh, confused about the will of God, truly confused, and it goes on and on, not just once, because, you know, we all get confused about the will of God at some point in our life. When I encounter people repeatedly, repeatedly, they just seem lost. They're saved but lost. You know what I check for? Immorality. I go straight to it. And you know what? Probably right. Time and again. If you are squirreling away in your life secret immoral thoughts, women, all men, young people, I can guarantee you it will confuse you because you're not work, walking in the primary will of God. The primary will of God is you avoid those things. And when you do avoid them, you know what? It clears up your thinking to, to be able to see the future. But you get, when you're walking in, in immorality in your heart or practicing it, you will definitely be confused about the will of God. I've seen this time and time and time again. And so uh, Paul nailed it right here with these Thessalonians. He didn't beat around the bush. Uh, he went straight to the root of it, you see. It's all about God's design. That's what it's about. It's got nothing to do with rules and regulations. God's design is that humans function better if they're not walking in lustful immorality in their heart. Or in, they just work better. And our relationships work better, you see. So, let's have a quick look at what the difference is between justification and sanctification. I just want to go here briefly because people get confused on this one. Justification addresses your past, as we said. It addresses and cleans up the sinner's guilt and sins from your past. Sanctification is God's transforming work today. You can't make yourself more saved. It's a one-time act. It's happened in history, right? You get people trying to be more close to God. Friends, you know what? When you are born again... When you know that you know that you know that you're right before God, you're as close to God as you'll ever be. But you might not feel that. But you are. That's a fact you've got to embrace. Can't get any closer to God. What you can do is experience closer though. And so people that try and go through all kinds of antics, you know, I'll get up, I remember one young guy, his name was Robert too. He was from down New South Wales on the coast. He said, I'm going to get up, and, and I'm going to pray an hour every day, every day to get close to God. And I said, good, it's good. 
that'll be helpful. But I said, Robert, are you doing this to try and twist God's arm to come to you? You see, that's slavery. Don't live like that. I do encourage you to pray an hour a day, but only do it because you're feeling drawn magnetically into that. You see. So there's a difference between justification and sanctification. Your mind is sanctified. Your will is sanctified. Now, this is a really important one. When we're saved, our will needs to be chained to a new nature. You see, before I was saved, my will was like floating around freely. In other words, it wasn't anchored. I didn't have an anchored will to be able to do the things I wanted to do. And it was just painful. But when you become born again, your will is, is like welded to a new nature. It's chained to a new cha- nature. So your will wants to do the will of God. That's an entirely different concept, you see. And so you get a sanctified will where suddenly you've, you've, you're able to do things. And, and oh, it was never in me before, but it is now, you see. You're able to love people in a way you couldn't love before or, or give yourself in a way you couldn't do before. Okay, justification is a one-time act. Sanctification is a continual process. Let's move on to the next one, which is the glorification part. Okay, so uh, justification happens in this life, and you can experience it. Sanctification happens in this life, you can experience it. Glorification is only going to happen when we put you in a box. (laughs) Now, if you want to experience glorification today, we could arrange it. (laughs) but I would suggest it's not lawful. (laughs) It has to do with securing your eternal future, right? It's about what happens after you die. You are glorified. In other words, you enter into the glory of God. That's what glorification is. It's the resurrection from the dead. And the wonderful thing is there's hope for the dead. Paul in Thessalonians wrote to them about that, same with the Corinthians, where where people were concerned, what happens to dead people? Well, in Christ, it's really good news. Good news is not just good news that can be delivered from the power of sin and Satan now. Good news is that you will have an eternal future secured. And you know what? You feel it. You don't have the fear of death. Some people, death is terrifying it just it just freaks them out because they have no hope i'm going to show you a video when we finish it's about a man uh, standing beside the corpse of his dead wife in india i'm going to show it to you and i want to demonstrate to you the power of hope when someone dies and it's very real and tangible hope that we have and it's different You know, Christian funerals, oddly, can be celebrations. As much as there's grief and there's anguish at the loss of the person, at the same time, you can be shouting and hollering. Now, that's really strange for someone who doesn't have hope because we know there's something better for that person and there's something better for us all. So Romans 5, 2, back into Romans 5 again. We have also obtained access through him by faith, that is justification, into, into this grace which we stand, that sanctification, into the grace which we stand, sanctification. And we boast in the hope 
of the glory of God. That means my hope is that I will enjoy the glory of God. And so you see in just one verse, justification, sanctification, and glorification right there in that verse there. Colossians 1.27, it says, this is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory, you see, glorification. And Romans 8.17 says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs, or we inherit. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We inherit God's glory. That's guaranteed to you, my friends. Much better than your uncle's inheritance. Don't set your hope on that one. So we've got these three words. And it all swings back to this one here. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything which they could not be freed from under the law of Moses. So we started off in Joshua chapter 8, looking at what at the law. As important as it was for Joshua and, and the nation of Israel to celebrate that covenant. But we have a better covenant and one that lasts eternally. And so we're just going to back up here a little bit. I'm going to ask if this video can be played. Before we play it, though, I want to give some context to this video. In this video, you will hear this man talk about justification, using different words, though, right? There's a little bit of sanctification. He's going to talk about glorification, about what happens in the future. This is one of our, our staff workers. I'm now chairing a group of six people. We oversee together 700 missionaries. 90% of them are Asians. Just this week, I was with them online on Thursday afternoon. You've probably been watching the news about what's happening in India. Friends, it is worse than what you see on TV. It is, my friends there say it's an absolute tsunami of COVID. And the statistics that the Indian government are giving you are probably only one third or one quarter of the reality. They said it's absolutely washing across and hundreds and thousands and thousands of people are perishing. My friends have lost friends. Uh, we've lost seven of our staff workers, seven of our church planters have died in the last two weeks from COVID. And uh, almost everyone has friends that have died of COVID. It is absolutely whacking across the country. And the Prime Minister is trying to pretend it's not as bad as it really is. Devastating. This man here, his wife died last week. He's one of our church planters. His wife's name is Binu. I, we were, I was following Binu's case with COVID uh, the last month, or the last three weeks. And she's in the east of the country. And... She was lucky enough to get into a hospital. Uh, numbers of people I've communicated with says we took XYZ person to the hospital, they just turned us straight away. There's no oxygen or there's no place for you. And they said literally people are dying in the streets. In the villages they've got nowhere to go whatsoever. And, and people are dropping like flies all over the place. So this man is giving a message. They've just taken her body out of the hospital in the east here. You'll see people dressed in, in personal, the PPE equipment. Okay, they obviously had some funds to put this lady in the hospital. And um, she finally succumbed to COVID and died. So you'll see her corpse sitting there. And it's just on the outside of the hospital. They've just taken her out and she's still, you'll see her body on a, um, on a hospital trolley thing there. And they've got to deal with the bodies so fast, there's so many of them. 
In other words, there's no time for services, nothing. Uh, Christians bury the dead. The Hindus are, are burning them by the, just the tens of thousands of people. They've got to get rid of bodies. Or they're throwing them in the Ganges River. Have you followed that one? The Ganges River is chock full of dead bodies floating down because the Hindus think if we throw my dead uh, sister in the river, she'll have some hope of a better future as the Ganges is the holy river, apparently. So anyway, uh, this man preaches the gospel. He's calling people to salvation. My friends, people are coming to Christ in numbers around the world. COVID is seeing a massive spike in the preaching of the gospel and a lot of people are coming to Jesus. It is working. This COVID thing, as devastating as it is, is working an amazing release of God's grace. We are entering into an end-time harvest that is just spectacular. We're seeing it across Indonesia as well, little dribs and drabs of it here and there. All right, so I'm going to ask at the end of this message, I'm going to ask if, if, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've said all the right things or you're just interested in Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity today to just to come forward. And, and like Robert, who prayed that prayer, and he experienced being put right with God, today's the day for you. If there's issues in your life where you're struggling with sanctification, you come forward and, and lay it down before God, and, it, and we'll pray with you about that.